0: Amen. <clears throat> Thanks, Andre. Just because you saw my title, I'm going to change it. <clears throat> no, I'm joking. What an intimate, intimate time with God this morning. I don't know about you, I'd, I'd such a, Sure, I haven't experienced such an intimate time in corporate worship in such a long time. And then Andre had a word for me that he came and shared, and I was just so touched by God this morning. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> Our God comes in a time of worship. We say, "God, I want to worship you. I want to honor you. I want to edify you. I want to lift your name up high." And He comes and says, "But receive my love, because I'm a good Father." And of course, I was wiping away tears all the time. So, got tissues here, so we'll get it ready. Okay, alright, so this morning, um, I want you, if you can put up that scripture for us, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 9, and uh, I said you the title, A Servant of God, but there are so many titles that I could use. Um, coming from this verses, maybe something like, less of the flesh and more of the spirit. And something like, empowered, released, power empowered, released, and rewarded. And so we'll, we'll go through it. We, you, can, you can decide afterwards what you want to title this message, but... For now, it's a servant of God. And um, it starts with, it says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid foods, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, the, the ESV says jealousy and strife, Um, You are not worldly. Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants. Say "servants." servants. Servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed. Apollos watered watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Say anything. Say nothing. Can, can, okay, so I'm going to challenge you now. Say, I am nothing. And you think hey, this is very contradictory, what's happening here. I'm going to explain to you as we go through it. So in the context of what we're reading, just hold on to that thought. But only God who makes things grows. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. And each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's fields. God's building. And so Paul is speaking to the Corinthians here. And they weren't too impressed with Paul because they wanted Him to help them make the church look more attractive to the city. They wanted more than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And they were complaining, and they were dividing themselves. And they were looking at the leaders. They were looking at at Peter. They just just spoke about Paul and and Apollos here, but Cephas and Apollos. They were looking at these leaders, and they were looking at who could get them the furthest in the city. And so they were was, there was, there was spreading competition, jealousy, and strife, envy. And then Paul gets hold of it, and he said, you're actually forgetting the nature of the gospel. You are forgetting that God chooses weakness. johannes yeah, Andre said this morning, somewhere in the worship, he said, God comes and takes our weaknesses, and he, but, but God is the one that takes that, and he makes it our strength. That only he can. He uses that as a miracle. Weakness isn't, the, isn't in the way. God chose it. And weakness in the gospel is designed to appear foolish to the natural mind. And he's saying to me, you're forgetting that. And even Paul is saying to me, if I wanted to give you more, I can't because you're still operating in the flesh. So that the de- desires of the flesh. And not in the spirit. So did you know... That even as Christians, if you're here this morning, if you're a Christ follower, that within the walls of the kingdom, you can operate with the things of the world, in the flesh, these things that you're holding on to. So even, it's possible for us. And so, in verses 5, it says, what then is Apollos, and what is Paul. So he's going back to the division that are made, and he wants to make things right. Not just showing them what they are, um, not just showing them what they are doing wrong, but how to get it right, how to think right about your pastors and your church leaders. He says you should think of your pastors this way: you should consider them, verses five, servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. And this is very important. Paul says, instead of making celebrities out of your pastors and your leaders, you should see them as servants, doing work not to make them famous, doing work that is assigned to them by God. Assigned to them by God. It's not work that they chose. It's given to them. In other words, Corinthians, stop dividing yourselves around Servants of the King, be grateful for your leaders, but get your eyes back on Jesus. Get your eyes back on Jesus. I think this is what happened this morning in worship. I think there was a time of just getting our eyes back on Jesus and being ministered to. Are pastors and leaders important in the church? Yes. Should we look at our leaders in a certain way and honor them? No, There's a couple of yes. (laughs) A couple of yeses. Yes, we should. But we have 2,000 years of church history where unfortunately churches make more of the pastors and the leaders than they should. And they elevate them to a place where they shouldn't. We also have 2,000 years of church history where most of the work is allocated to a select few. That's the other side. A select few leaders with a few selected gifts. But we need to be a church that is seeing ourselves at each one as part of the body, that God has given different gifts to be fully activated by God to do the good works that he has prepared for us, that he's got ready for us. And so we should think about the emphasis and the way that we do things. One of our greatest needs in the church today is to understand that our primary job description is actually for the leaders in Ephesians 4 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to equip everybody else for the work of the ministry. And so pastors normally have to deal with people in the church. And so what do we do then? What do the rest of us do? We get the privilege of going out there, going into our workplaces, going into the schools, going into the universities, going where God has placed us, in our circle of influences. We have the opportunity to go and to minister Not to preach the gospel, but to live a life that's honoring to God, where God can see, where people can see, but I I want more of this. I want more of this Jesus that they're serving. Live a lifestyle, an honest lifestyle. Honor people. Give grace to people. And so the biggest need in the world today is a church fully alive, where every part of the body is healthy, functioning and engaged this is what we want for josh jen because that is what god wants for us amen somebody said to you this morning you're going to say a lot of amens okay so i'll ask for one amen you are the ministers of the gospel ephesians 2:10. if you can put that up for us for we are his workmanship say workmanship created in christ jesus to do good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So in Jesus, you are God's workmanship. When you accepted Jesus, you inherited a divine life full of craftsmanship. You weren't saved just to get through life. I see a lot of people, they just battle to get through life. They're saved, but they... There's, there's, they're not walking into the more that God's got for them. They just want to get through life. God has designed you for a specific reason. Durbanville, thank you for choosing Brackenfell to be here this morning. Do you know what? You're not here by chance. You're here because God wants you here this morning. Where's all the Durbanville folks? If you can just put up your hands. Give them a round of applause. Thank you for choosing Brock and Fall, but you're not here by chance this morning. God, if you open your hearts, God will speak to you this morning, because he's got a, a special purpose for your life. God has chosen you, and he's got good works for you to do, and the only way that you are going to do that is to choose the spirit over the flesh. You are going to have to surrender to the will and the word of Jesus. Say surrender. You're going to have to wait on the Spirit. Say wait. Avoid sin. Avoid. Pursue the prompting of the Spirit. Remember that. Swap. S-W-A-P. Surrender, wait, avoid, and pursue. So Paul says living your purpose in jesus is based on identifying yourself as a servant say servant do you realize do you realize that you're a servant of jesus and do you realize what that looks like what that looks like you're not a king you're not a queen your life is no longer your own that's amazing your life is no longer your own i wonder if you think about that if you will actually realize what that means, it means that the things that you're anxious about and concerned about in life doesn't even belong to you. Have you thought about that? We're all sitting here. we're anxious about things, we're concerned about things, but God is in control. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 says, "You are not your own, for you were brought at a price." What was that price? Well, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, verses 18, he says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So Jesus lived. He died. He rose again so that those that are servants of the enemy that are serving him, They don't probably, don't even know what what they are doing in life, but they've got an opportunity that they are serving a master that wants to kill, steal, and destroy them. And they now have got the choice to go from darkness, from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light, to an owner that gave his life for him that gave his life for you, that paid with his blood, that took all his sin upon him. And he loves you. And he's got good works for you. And he wants to lift you up. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And so that is what, what, what he's saying here this morning. An o- owner who will elevate you higher than you can ever imagine how will he do that because god says you will jesus says you will reign with me he elevates you The things the people of the world thinks it's foolish but jesus takes that foolish stuff and he elevates you and he says i will ele- i will i will make you higher but you're still not your own because you were brought with a you were bought with a price but this life of walking in the spirit and good works doesn't happen automatically even after coming to Jesus we have to intentionally choose the life of the spirit we have to choose it over and over and over again every single day I've walked with some of you in this body and I've seen how every day you have to choose the spirit over the flesh and some of you are here and you still there's struggles and every day You've got to start the day with Jesus and you say, Jesus, I'm putting you on today. I'm putting your armor today. I don't want the flesh to reign. Intentionally. If you don't do it, I'm telling you now, at 100% you will go back to the ways of the flesh. And you will wonder, what happened? How did I get here? Intentionally, you've got to be intentional God, I'm gonna make time for you today. Andre used the the example here this morning of how much time he spent on his phone. Yo Andre, we're gonna to have to go for a coffee. <clears throat> no, I'm just joking. But we can make time for God. We can't say we don't have time. We get up. Jesus, I'm gonna start the day with you. I'm gonna to go to my work today. And I'm going to ask you to lead me and guide me and to show me. And I'm going to put my trust and my faith in you. Lord, I allow you to use me today. We've got a choice. And so why should you choose life in the spirit instead of life in the flesh? The first thing that will happen to you, and I said this morning, there's three things that will happen. You'll be empowered, you will be released, and you will be rewarded as we've read from the scripture, and we'll go through it. The first one is, you'll be empowered. So Paul points out that to be a servant of God is to live on an assignment. He says this in verses 6. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So here's the first thing that we need to see. To live as a servant of God on an assignment from Jesus is to live a life supernaturally empowered. Say empowered. And so we've heard this morning about the cell phone. I'm going to go back to that a little bit. We live in a reality where productivity is an obsession, productivity in the world gives us an identity. I've got to do things, because the more things I do, the more I, what's the right word, the more I, word in Afrikaans? I'm losing my words now, the more I do, the more I get noticed. Same, as, yeah, it's the same as in the workplace. The more I do, the harder I work, the better, the recognition, there we go, get recognition, Productivity. I mean, so badly that if you look on your cell phones, most of the apps on the phones is to make productivity better. And so if you're honest with yourself, you will know that the last thing that you do before you go to bed is you look at your phone. And the first thing that you do when you wake up is you pick up your phone, look at the messages, reply to the messages, emails or whatever, a lot of people do this. And so it's this whole thing where we want to be productive. And why are we driven by productivity? The sensational need to produce. Productivity in the world is a standard requirement for value. So we give ourselves value to what we can produce, what we can achieve. But we need to learn to stop. And we're gonna go into that now. Because we're in constant stimulation of what's happening around us. The social media marketing apps and everything that's going on, we spend so much time on it. And it just causes us to be more productive, to be more competitive. I mean, the young people in the schools today, they stuck to TikTok. I still don't have a TikTok account. But what Andre didn't say is how much time he spent on TikTok this morning. Andre. no. And they, they watch these things, and they see these things that's happening with their friends and what they're doing and out in the world. And what are they doing is they look at it, and they compare themselves. And it's causing division. It's causing strife, and it's causing anxiousness. And so we're doing these things and we're comparing ourselves. And you know what? As I said, we bring these things into into the church. Productivity. And we forget that Jesus is the one that's building his church and not us. There's nothing we, we can do but to serve him. Because when we serve him, He will allow us to walk into the things that He's laid out for us and not how we think things should be happening. And in this crazy lives of productivity, God speaks. The Spirit speaks into this chaos. He speaks through His servant Paul and He says, I want you to imagine a field. And He says, there's there's rows. I want you to imagine this. There's rows. And what happens is, There's a sower, and the sower will go, and the sower will sow the seeds. And someone will will come behind, and someone will water it. But there's nothing that they can do that can bring the growth, that can make those seeds sprout and grow. They need something supernatural that only God can do. And so farmers... Those of you that maybe grew up in a farm know that farming is hard work. It's seasonal. It's, it's, it's time years. So there's time of sowing. There's time of watering. But then there's also a time of waiting. There's a time of waiting. People who live out their assignment from Jesus are people who can rest. Because there are people joining God in the work that He is already doing. And so, I want you to imagine this field now. The same field. And there's this worker that's going and he's sowing the seed. And then somebody comes after and they're putting the water. And then God comes and God brings the growth. Not the farmer. There's nothing he can do. There's not an app on his phone that he can use that brings the growth. Do you think that those workers can sit back and say, God, I can rest because you are the one that brings the growth. There's nothing that I can do. You are the one. And so, on Thursday, I wasn't quite sure on what I wanted to share this morning. But then, out of this, I was going to share about mostly about between the flesh and the spirit. I was going to dig delve more into that, but I still wasn't sure. I said God, I need you to show me. And then so Karen, is Karen, yeah. Karen doesn't Ka- Karen doesn't know this, but on on Thursday she put up a picture on one of the groups. If you can put up that, Gary, do you notice that? Okay, so Gary Gary notices that. So if you can go to the next. The next, this is what she's put up there. When she said, she said, This little flower pot gave me a message today. We sowed seeds last year that never did anything. Disappointed, we left it. As we started fiddling for spring, Gary noticed these popping up from nowhere. While we were sowing out our own ideas, God had His own timing and purpose for these flowers. We can sow as commanded, but God reaps according to His own plan. God is the one that brings the growth. And so maybe you're going through a time that you don't know what's happening, but just be faithful. Spend time in his word. Spend time with his sons and his daughters. Fellowship. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. And through that, God will bring the growth. He is the one that will do what is necessary. This is a picture of the empowered life. A picture of the way that God uses our weaknesses. Do you know that your frailty, your weakness, it feels like a handicap? That in the kingdom of God, it's actually a place where God's power can work the most? Your weakness. I remember. I was a young Christian still, and I was starting to come into leadership in the church, and yeah, Andre said to, to Vincent, black and white, you know, the way he used to be, and how God has changed his heart. I was there. I was black and white. I was on fire. I was, on, I was passionate for Jesus. I read the word, and I took it, literally, and so then I'll go see other people, and I'll measure them to God's word. So, but this is what God's word says, and this is how you should be. But I was dealing with people that had bipolar, that had severe depression, that were so anxious that coming to church it took everything out of them. And I looked at them, and I saw that as weak. I'm not proud of that. I saw that as weak. And people left the church because of that. And I had to ask God for forgiveness. But in that time, I was growing. I was learning. I was spending more time in the Word. I was that victory over sin. Until God, until God made me realize that you need to extend grace. You, know, you need to go into people's circumstances. You need to know where they're at. Some of you are here this morning, and you're anxious as you're sitting here. You're going through a time of depression. Maybe there's medical things that are happening in the background. We can't judge, friends. We need to be careful on how we look at people. And then I've seen God use those weaknesses. And Roland is a testimony. Bipolar. He had a heart operation. Depression for years. And he's leading God's church today. God took that weaknesses. And he pushed through. And he turned them into the greatest strength. Listen, when Roland stands up here, there's an authority, there's a power of God working in and through their life. his life. I want to say to you this morning, don't you think that where you are, whatever your situation is, that God can't do anything because God is the one where those seeds are planted and where those water are spread. God is the one that will bring the growth. You've got to hold on to his promises. You've got to hold on to that. Because everybody sitting here today, if you put your hand on the person's shoulder next to you, you don't have to do it, but if you want to, you can. It's tangible. I wouldn't have known any of you here today if it wasn't for God. If it wasn't for people choosing life in the spirit over life in the flesh. I want to say to you today, it doesn't matter where you are, God will empower you. His word says it, we just read it. We are nothing, but he is everything. God is everything. You've got to ask God every day, Lord, come and fill me. Come and help me. In my weaknesses, your word says that you use my weakness. You can turn it into strength so that you can be glorified. Lord, I am nothing because you are everything. There's something special about saying I'm nothing. Because you're not nothing. God elevates you with him. Jesus, you, you, when, when you are in heaven with Jesus, you reign with him. But Paul here says, What am I? What am Apollos? We are mere servants. We aren't anything. But God is everything. The Apostle Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. He says, We are nothing. You and I, we are equal. We're all equal in God's eyes. And if you notice that Andrew does this a lot of the times, goes and he, and he speaks to us because he knows that we're all equal in God's eyes. We're different in value. We're different in function. But each and every single one of us has got a purpose that only we can fulfill. And I without you is nothing. You without me me, us without God, we are nothing, but God is everything, and I want you to know that it doesn't matter where you are today, God can come into your circumstances, and he can change it, maybe you don't know, maybe here today you actually don't know God, you don't have a relationship with him, he can bring you in a kingdom of light, where he lifts you up, where he doesn't want to kill, steal, and destroy I'm saying that if you're here today, you're struggling with sin. We heard it earlier, avoid sin. It's difficult. God can do anything. I've seen it. I've seen his miracles. I've experienced his miracles. A lot of you have have experienced his miracles too. He can do anything. Okay. I've gone off my notes here. Okay. The second thing that he does, he releases you. I said earlier that we come into the church, and like I used to do, I would look at you, and I think, okay, but you actually elevate me because I'm better than you. And then I would look at some people and say, but. I actually feel lower than you because you do more than me. You look better than me. And so whether you know it or not, you actually influence me because it either elevates me or it brings me down lower. It doesn't work like that in the church. In the church of God, in the world, we trample on each other. The people of the world in the workplace, they do everything to elevate themselves, to get to the best position. And then, it, and, and then sometimes we bring it into the church. But in the church, we are all equal. We're all equal in God's eyes. And it's got a special work for all of us. The search for identity when we want to elevate ourselves, whatever, it brings the vision. That's what was, what was happening here. They were looking at the leaders and they were dividing and it brings the vision. I'm telling you in the church now, I'm telling you today, yeah, if you have a problem with your brother or your sister, I want you to after, right after the meeting, I think God is saying to you, right after this meeting, go and sort it out. Because it brings the vision. And if you have a problem with somebody else and you're not, you don't sort it out, it will either elevate you or it will lower you. And you will be in the flesh, but in the spirit, you can go to that person and say, "Listen, I actually I want to ask for forgiveness. If there's relationship issues, if there's parental issues between the parents and the kids, if you're married yet today, if you came this morning and you were arguing on the way to church, go after the meeting. I'm sorry. I'm nothing, but God is everything. I want to honor God." I love you. I apologize. Please forgive me. And then the last one, I'm going to just go through this. You will be rewarded. Verses 8, it says, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. And this thing about being rewarded makes us feel funny. It's like, how can, if we just heard that one waters, one sows, one sows, one waters, but God brings the growth and that we are nothing, that God is the one that does everything. How does this rewards work? Being rewarded. If you can go to the, uh, to John 1 verses 18, it says, Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Be careful, pay attention, watch yourself, stay on guard to sin, and look for your full reward. Matthew 16, 27, for the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. And so how would this rewards work? where no one is designated higher or lower than anyone else in dignity in value in purpose and in worth how will this rewards work in the context of grace There's a lot to that I still want to go through here. But our reward is Jesus' joy over you and me. One day, when we stand before, in front of him, we will hear those words. It's the joy of being In experiencing more and more and more of Jesus. How do I experience those rewards on earth? It's by pushing into Jesus. By celebrating each victory. By having more of Jesus. By spending time in his word. And say, wow, God said this to me this morning. God did this through me today. I did nothing. God used me. I shared my testimony with someone. And they got radically saved. That's a miracle. You know how many times I've shared my testimony in the beginning, I didn't know anything. I, didn't, I was like, God, I'm going on this mission trip, but I, I've, I've got nothing to give. But then I go and I share my testimony, and people's lives get transformed. I see a miracle right in front of me. Like Yandra was speaking two weekends ago about when you get baptized, when the corpse That is laying there in the swimming pool. You know how many miracles I've seen just by sharing my testimony? Where somebody gets saved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Where someone gets raised from the dead. You want to see that miracle? Where somebody gets raised from the dead out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's a miracle one of the biggest miracles. And when you hear, if you hear this morning and you don't know Jesus, you can experience that miracle today. You can come into this kingdom of light where God wants the best for you, where Jesus paid the price for you, where He will elevate you, and He will allow you to walk into the gifts that He's got for you, where He places you in a family that's there to support you, to pray with you, not to judge you like I used to do, but to have grace for you and to help you into the more of what God has got for you. Amen? So I don't know, it's maybe somebody from the worship, if you want to just come up. And then listen to this. Verses 9, it says, for we are God's fellow workers. Say workers. You are God's field, God's building. Jesus invited you to an actual life with him. How is that for a reward? Not just a far-off distant uh, figure that we know of. He invited you to an actual life with him. That is the biggest reward that we can have, to know that I can walk with the Father every day. Every day I can walk with the Father. He can use me. I'm available to Him. I've got this life with Him. 2 Timothy 2 says, 2 Timothy 2.10, it's not on the board, but it says that if you work with our Father in His field, we will reign with Him in heaven. And Matthew 25, 21, if you can put that up for us, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Listen to this. Come and share your master's happiness. Come and share the joy of your master. That is your reward. The joy of Jesus over your life. I want that. And that is why every day we need to push into the life of the spirit. Put aside the things of the flesh. Yet today you know what things you're struggling with, what sin areas they are. God is saying, "Today is the day. Put it aside. Because I have joy over you. If you live in my spirit, why don't we stand? Heavenly Father, Almighty God, Jesus.